Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 218, Best Earth Day Games. We'd like to thank our brand new Patreon back, Eric, for helping us bring you a brand new episode. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast of board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is Earth Day 2019. Welcome everyone to a new episode of Board Gamers Anonymous in which we will be talking about really excellent board games that are all about helping Mother Earth and helping you show the community that they can take a part in actually making things a lot better. So whether you are in Westeros dealing with the White Walkers and the winter coming, or you are on planet Earth dealing with global climate change, Earth Day is a good reminder that is a good time to get out there and help out Mother Earth and, of course, play some excellent board games. So that's going to be our feature reviews this week. And we want to tell you that we have so much stuff going on with Board Gamers Anonymous. Obviously, we've been talking about doing our part to help the community. We have our upcoming charity board game day on May 4th in Fanwood, New Jersey. And if you'd like to get more information about that, check out our Facebook account. It will have all the information you need about how to get involved, how to help out, how to RSVP for the event. Space is limited. So please, if you're going to be in the New Jersey area on May 4th, please stop by at any time. We'll be there from 9 a.m. to 11 p.m., a lot of great activities, raffles, auctions, a lot of great gaming at the table, and we would love for you to join us. Not to mention that we have our Patreon contest each and every week. So if you haven't already, please check us out at patreon.com BGA. There are some fantastic episodes of Board Gamers Anonymous up there to join in our Slack group where you can talk to us each and every week. Not to mention this great contest. So for a minimum donation, you have an opportunity to be entered each and every week into this contest. So, Anthony, let's get on to this week's contest. What do you have for us? Yeah, so last week we uh, we had Jeremy, and he took home a copy of Root. Um, again, he's a producer-level backer, so he, he helps us out uh, every month, chips in, get, helps us pay for our hosting and uh, all the cool stuff that we're doing for you guys. And uh, this week's winner is Peter. So, Peter, I'm going to reach out to today after the recording, and um, he'll get a game from Game Surplus shipped out to him here in the next week so congratulations to both of them and once again thanks everyone for supporting us whether it's on patreon.com that means a lot to us as far as producing more content for you each and every week there's board gamers anonymous there's the website there's every night is game night there's a lot more stuff we would love to do for you we'd like to include more contests for not just for patreon backers for everyone listening so everyone has an opportunity please check out our patreon site and if you can't support us financially please let other people know about the podcast that means a great deal to us and we love to hear from you so anthony we had a lot of people reach out to us this week on our question of the week so what do we have all right yeah question of the week this week is what is your favorite game that is considered very light on bgg that being below a 2.0 difficulty rating so I uh, got a lot of good answers here. A few showed up more often than others. So Chris and Carl both mentioned Sagrada, which is a fantastic game. Uh, Willie mentions Port Royal. Uh, it's on his top 10 of all time and is a little below the 2.0 weight. Uh, Tommy mentions Parade and Game of Trains. Uh, some of the other games here, Azul, Decrypto, Santorini, For Sale, Jaipur, Happy Salmon, uh, which is a party game. Not Most people picked 
game games, but party games, of course, count. They're all very light. So Matthew mentions Takenoko as well. Uh, for me, the, the one that jumped up is uh, King Domino. And for a couple of reasons, I mean, it's like my go-to filler. It's always in my bag. It takes 15 minutes. It's quick and easy to get out at game night. But my kids also love it and we play it a lot. So it's probably my most played game in that way range. And you can scale a little bit now because you have the Giants expansion. You have Queen Domino if you want a little bit more complexity. But at the end of the day, it's just nice and quick and easy and um, very accessible. So that's that's mine. What about you? Yeah, if I'm looking for a quality board game on the light side, I'm probably going to go with a party game. And for me, Dixit Journey is probably going to be the best. So it has for me personally, and obviously this is subjective, the best artwork possible. And it adds a lot of complexity. If I'm going to play something quick and fast, No Thanks is a great little press your luck game that even though it comes in a very small box with just basically cards and a couple of chips, it is tremendously a lot of fun. And if you want to just play something completely wacky, Martian Dice is good because it's once again another press your luck game with Martians taking people and animals off the earth, hopefully to save them as part of Earth Day. All right, Anthony. So that's everything that's going on with our listeners and BGA. Let's get on to the full episode. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders. All right. Yeah, for me, I'm going to kick one off. Uh, This is Baron Park. Uh, And it has a new expansion coming uh, called The Bad News Bears, which is awesome. (laughs) I love that name. The the original game, the Phil Walker Harding game, came out a couple years ago. And it's, as I mentioned earlier, it's a polyomino tile laying game. You're building your own bear park. And there's different types of bears and different types of upgrade tiles and uh, goals you can work towards. The game is relatively quick and simple and accessible. And it's not my favorite favorite tile lane game but it's up there i really enjoy it um the expansion adds three modules and that's kind of the the name of the game lately with expansions module based the first one gives you some new goals great to have the original doesn't have a ton of variety so now you have more variety awesome the second one adds grizzly bears which apparently are huge they take up six squares which is the would be the biggest tile and there's to cover that you now add a fifth park section normally it's four now you have five so a little bit more space to cover but some bigger tiles to do it with. The third module seems interesting. It adds monorail tiles. So these have 10 points to start and then decrease in value as you add them to your bear parks. So it de- kind of depends on how many monorails you want to put in there and what the values is and you know who gets them first and all of that. Um, but it's kind of an interesting new mechanic that isn't just bears thrown in there. You got to build the pillars and then you got to have the, the, the monorails between them. I... I don't know that any of these seems like a game changing expansion. It's not that heavy of a game to have game changing expansions, but I like the the new wrinkles they're throwing in there and it should get the game back to the table. Like this is a game I kept. This was a buy for me, but I haven't played it a ton lately just because it you know didn't have a huge amount of replayability. Um, the board tableau of stuff available to buy was almost always the same. So looking forward to Baron Park, the bad news bears. Sounds like it'll be out around Origins-ish uh, this summer. So I'll be tracking down a copy then. For me, I'm looking at a recent Kickstarter, and that's Anachrony, Fractures of Time expansion and Affinity Box. Now, if you haven't played Anachrony up to this point, this is a game from Mind Clash Games that's all about dealing with time travel in order to save the Earth from this terrible catastrophe. And basically what it breaks down to is a pretty much a standard worker placement game with some kind of thematic 
time travel element. So basically in the game, you have your faction and basically you're going to place out your exosuits with different types of workers out there in order to be able to benefit from certain actions and only some actions only that that particular worker can go to. You're going to gain resources and you are going to be have an opportunity to send resources and or people into the future that you might need. But by doing that, it's going to make things complicated. And then that's going to cost you extra and extra problems as the game goes on. So you have to compensate for that as the as the game continues. So it's a pretty interesting take on worker placement game. Now, with this expansion, you are going to be adding a new faction into the ongoing Anachrony universe. In addition to the ongoing kind of growth of this universe the path of unity pops up and they want to kind of help humanity as well and they're basically a purple color player for the game so if you haven't played this game before it might be something interesting to check out and beyond the fifth player mechanic that goes into this game it also has a brand new mechanic it has what they call flux and blinking so basically what we're looking at here is as worker placements games tend to be is once you place your worker out they're going to stay there until the end of the round but with this new mechanic you'll have the opportunity to actually blink your exosuit out of one spot and place it into another spot in order to get those resources so interesting once again utilizing that kind of time travel mechanic but of course that's going to cause some problems but of course, there's a solution, just like the time travel mechanic. So you'll be able to take care of those little time rifts by activating a special little sideboard in the game. So if you are a fan of Anachrony and you want to check this out, you should know that this campaign will back on Tuesday, May 7th. It already passed its goal, so it will be coming out. And if you haven't tried Anachrony whatsoever, check out the Kickstarter page. There's a lot of information there. Not to mention that you can back all of Anachrony in a super big box nonetheless. So there's a lot of opportunity here to check out Anachrony. And in this case, Anachrony, the expansion, Fractures of Time and Infinity Box. All right, so those are the games that we're hoping to get to the table in a blink of the eye. Let's talk about the games we want to get to the table. And we'll let you know if those games are a buy and you should pick those games up. If those games are a play and you should get to the table, if those games are a dodge, you should avoid them at all costs. And if those games are a burn and you should recycle it because it's Earth Day. All right, Anthony, what do you have up first this week? <laughs> all right. So speaking of sub 2.0 games, I have one uh, by a local designer uh, here in Pittsburgh, Todd Sanders, Mr. Cabbage Heads Garden. This was originally a uh, solo print and play back in like 2016, but he uh, partnered up with Luda Creations and they had a Kickstarter not too long ago. And there's a like a full deluxe printed edition of the game, which now plays one or two players. So it's not just a solo game. Although, as you might guess, I played it solo. So the, the idea of the game is you are Mr. Cabbagehead and you just want to grow your garden in peace without anybody pestering you because there is an annual garden contest. But there are neighbors that are going to bug you when you're not there. They're going to come in. They're going to steal things. They're going to mess up with your garden. And that comes into play in the mechanics of the game. So what you do is you draft different cards from a deck of vegetables, and there are a certain number of each type of vegetable. So like carrots, for example, there are, I think, seven or eight of them. But, you know, red peppers, there's only three or four. And the fewer of them there are, the more points they're worth as part of a set. So you're trying to get multiples of them 
connected to each other in the grid that you're building your garden out of. So the garden can be a three by six grid. As you play the cards into it, it kind of, you can play it either as a fixed grid where, and there's a play mat that you can get for it, or you can just kind of do it in your mind, or you can have it kind of grow out as you want. But once you get to six by three, that's it. And then you're trying to position everything. So a, the more valuable vegetables are touching each other, so they're worth more points. But B, they match different patterns that are worth points based on what's in the book. So there are different scoring patterns, like having the same vegetables in every corner or or having different vegetables in every row or having a X number of types of vegetables. And so when you draft cards, you choose which one you want to place out. But depending which ones you don't place out, you're going to put tokens on these different neighbors who are pestering you. And if a certain number of tokens come out, of this bag that you're drawing them from, then they're going to mess with your garden. So you're trying to balance that as well. And they can just go in and take stuff out of it. <laughs> so it can really mess up your planning. The game is relatively quick, it takes, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. The artwork is super quirky. It looks like something you'd find in like a garden magazine or catalog from like the 1910s. I really like it for some reason. Like it's weird, right? Because you have all these vegetables that are shaped kind of like people a little bit, but I don't know. There's just something really cool about it. And the uh, different scoring variants and extra stuff that comes in this like deluxe version of the game is pretty cool. So it's not like the heaviest or most complicated or most engaging game in the world, but for a very quick, relatively accessible, very puzzly solo game, um, I had a lot of fun with it. So for me, it was definitely a buy. I'm glad I picked it up. If you are a solo gamer and you know, haven't heard, uh, I'm pretty sure Jason reviewed this over on every night is game night at some point, then definitely try to track it down. You can still print and play it. So it's still available, uh, kind of the base original version of the game. But yeah, it's it's a great game. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I have not played with the two player variant. So I can't speak to that, uh, like how it plays differently. But as a solo game, it is very solid. So that is Mr. Cabbagehead's Garden. Yeah, I remember kind of previewing this a while back. It has, as you mentioned, very interesting artwork. So it's kind of got this old-timey, classic, hand-drawn artwork. And yet at the same time, it's vegetable people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, oh, this is really quaint and just it, nostalgic. And I remember like pictures like this. And oh, my God, this is horrifying. But uh, yeah, I'm really glad to hear that it's a, a solid, solid game. It reminds me of, um, I guess, Arboretum a little bit as far as lining everything up in order for uh, things to score to the best of their ability, huh? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of like Arboretum, but the game itself can attack you, you know, instead of other players kind of messing with your how you're setting things up. So I don't know. I, I really enjoy it. It's and Todd, like the, the designer, he does the art on most of his games and they're wildly variable, like the art styles that he uses. So mm -hmm. I remember I was surprised. I thought someone else did this one, but no, he did this. And it's uh I don't know. Yeah, it's quirky. It's fun. So is that what happens when uh, climate change goes really, really bad? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the cabbage crawls out of the garden and smacks you. <laughs> Those Cabbage Patch kids turn bad and they turn really bad. <laughs> <laughs> now they're just all stealing each other's vegetables. There you go. <laughs> Which are basically babies. Right, let's 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 not talk about this any longer. Let's let's move on. Let's move on to a nicer game, or I guess a game that's a little more straightforward. This game is called Monsterlands. This was a recent Kickstarter that backed, and I got a chance to play the base game and its recent expansion, which is called 
Monster Lands, Heavy Weapons, and Fifth Player, because clearly every expansion needs to have a fifth player, which I know Anthony's not a fan of, and I just like to have in the extra player color, but otherwise, it's typically a, usually not a good idea. But nonetheless, Monster Lands is a worker placement game that initiates a couple of little twists to the standard game. So basically, you are a clan of, I guess would say, quasi-medieval, quasi-Vikings in a very cartoony look to it. And you are here to defend the kingdom that's being overrun by monsters. And all that's left is this citadel. And basically, the citadel is painted on the board. And within the citadel is a number of different, I guess what you would say, like rooms to kind of like upgrade your characters, get gold, hire mercenaries, get weapons, different things that you can do as far as fighting the monsters, which is the main part of this game. Now, as I mentioned, the main part of the game is fighting the monsters. So you start off with two characters and you have these little kind of little wooden shits that represent the characters that you start with. And you also have dice. The yellow dice will be gold, so there'll be money in the game that you'll be able to purchase things from. And it has a really unique mechanic that, depending on the yellow dice that are in a certain area, you will get an additional discount, including your dice. The red dice and purple dice also have special abilities. The purple dice will be used as magic, and the red dice will be used for attack. But there's a lot of different spots in which you can use your dice. You can also swap them out and just do a whole bunch of different things. But typically, throughout the game, you'll be hiring mercenaries that are going to give you a special ability. They're a little wooden token to be able to place out to fight monsters. And they'll also come with, with additional dice. This is helpful because you want to do as many actions as possible. So the dice allow you to do more actions in the game. Now, as you go through the game, as I mentioned, you'll pick up mercenaries, you'll pick up traps, you'll pick up weapons, you'll pick up special powers and abilities. And then finally, it comes down to fighting the monsters. So you will typically have two monsters on top that are defending two different types of lands. You will place your character little chit up there, and then you will make a decision based upon what the board allows you to do at that moment, how many dice you're going to place there in order to meet or exceed a certain number that's required. So if the number is 15 and you place out three dice, obviously you're hoping to go beyond the 15 in that. There are modifiers that you can place into your little attack stage. And obviously the monster is going to attack you. So you have an opportunity to actually die in this game or lose that particular mercenary. So you'll have an opportunity to put shields down and special abilities and potions to kind of keep yourself going throughout the match. If you don't defeat the monster, other people in that line that are already queried up could actually beat the monster and steal your points. So basically you fight the monster and then until someone beats it, then you move on to the land. And once again, you're going to roll the dice again and utilize your heavy weapons in order to see if you can conquer that particular land. Here it gets to be a little tricky because this game has a lot of symbology to it. Now, typically the symbology is pretty simple. It's not too heavy. Once again, it's very cartoony, but your mercenaries and your initial heroes are going to have a certain designation. They're going to have a certain symbol. And if it does not match that land, you're going to have to use this link token, which is only going to have the ability to do once per game so you're really trying to match up your mercenaries and your heroes with the monsters and lands because there's a set collection mechanic in the game that's going to score you a lot of points you're going to be managing your points and your legacy throughout the game and then basically it's a victory point game you'll count up all your victory points you'll count up your set collection all the monsters you defeated all the lands that you conquered and then you'll come down to pretty much a win 
if you play Dungeon Lords or Dungeon Pets, you'll get a sense of, I wouldn't say the complexity. Those games are a little heavier. This game is definitely on the lighter side. It plays like Champions of Midgard, basically, where you're getting resources and you're going down to fight a monster and you're going to figure out how many dice you need. This is a little more, I would say, fiddly because there's a lot of tokens and a lot of things you could add to it. I don't know necessarily if it's better than Champions of Midgard. I already have Champions of Midgard. This one is a little more engaging as far as all the different things that you can do. But basically, the games are probably in the same, I guess, arena, so to speak. So for Monsterlands and its expansion, I'm going to give them a very light play. They're fun. They're engaging. It's nothing that you haven't played previously. You can pick it up online on sale. It's it's dropped, I think, pretty significantly. So it might be something you want to get to the table. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it looks really cute. I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but I've seen it pop up a couple times. So I'll have to track it down. Yeah, it comes with a ton of stuff. There's just so many components. And if you back the special kickstarter i think at, at one point i think it was about a hundred dollars which is pretty crazy but you could pick it up online relatively cheap i think it's kind of around the 40 50 mark at this point for the basic if you pick up the higher version i think it's about 50 or 60 dollars it's a fun play if you're looking to play something along champions of midgard but a little more engaging a little more cartoony all right so that's everything that's hitting our table this week let's get on to our feature review so for our feature review this week we are talking about the best Earth Day games. Now, if you're not aware, Earth Day happens each and every year in order to mark the day that we consider Mother Earth and how we can take care of her in light of all the pollution and bad things that we typically do to the Earth. Now, this may not be the top theme on the top of your head, but it's a really fun theme with a lot of great games out there. So if it is Earth Day, which should pretty much be every day of the year that you're looking to play something interesting, engaging with a brand new theme, we have six great games that you should definitely check out. All right, Anthony, so what's your first game? All right, yeah, so the first one on my list is probably the most nail on the head of them all, uh, CO2, Second Chance, from Vital Lacerda. This was a Kickstarter last year, just came in, and it is all about green energy and trying to deal with the carbon dioxide that's filled our atmosphere. In the game, you play a CEO of an energy company that is trying to win government contracts for new green power plants. And you must do this. You want to decrease the pollution. You want to meet the needs of the, the energy needs of all the different countries, but also make a profit. So it's kind of balancing that out as like a realistic, you know, this is really what's going on in the world. We can all be altruistic all we want, but the people who are going to do it are trying to make money. You are going to score points based on the money you get, the carbon emission permits you get, the green power plants you actually successfully build, goals set by the United Nations, company goals you've met. There's a lot of different ways to get points, but the basic idea is you need to balance everything out. It plays competitively, which is kind of the original version of the game from a few years ago, or you can play it cooperatively now and work together to try to solve this problem, which I think makes more sense thematically. And yeah, it's a great game that kind of touches on all those different elements and really uh, puts it in perspective what all it will take to get there. All right, my first game on the list is Ginkopolis. This is a really interesting game all about the future in which the Earth has exhausted all of its natural resources and basically humanity is coming to an end. So what they do is they turn to nature and utilize the very last resources possible in order to find a way to kind of do things differently. So in this case, they look towards the Ginkgo Pilova plant, the strongest tree possible. And in the game itself, you are building up civilization once again. So you're building up this new type of city 
that's utilizing natural resources in a very different way. They're not expending the resources, but they're incorporating the resources with a symbiotic city planning structure. Basically, what you're trying to do is build up the cities once again by maintaining a delicate balance between the resource production and consumption. A really interesting dynamic game and really something heavy but definitely something engaging. That's Ginkopolis. All right, next on my list is one of the prettiest games of 2018 and actually the winner of our components contest last year. Uh, That's Photosynthesis from Blue Orange Games. In this game, you represent a certain type of tree. Then you have a multitude of cardboard three-dimensional trees that you will be trying to place out on the board. And you do this by getting seeds out there, growing those seeds into larger and larger trees, and then, of course, spreading more seeds from those larger and larger trees. You score points based on where you are on the map, but also you can block other people's ability to do things by placing your tree in the line of the sun. And the taller your tree is, the more trees it blocks behind it. So it's a very pretty game. You look at it and you're like, wow, this is an amazing looking game. Uh, It's such a just great table presence really jumps out at you but it's also brutally mean so you just take people out and it just goes back and forth so it's one of those rare abstract strategy games it plays with multiple players it's not a two-player game it plays up to four and really really captures just that sense of the forest i don't i don't know how to describe it but it is just a beautiful game if you love nature if you want to experience it this is one of the better board games with which to do so and that is photosynthesis one of the interesting things about, I guess, society in general is that pollution and our effect on nature hasn't just started recently. It's always been there. And one fantastic game that really takes that into consideration is the splatter game Antiquity. And basically, this game is set in the Middle Ages in Italy, and you are building up your city and you are employing a whole bunch of workers. But your workers and the city and all the buildings that you're going to build need resources. So you will expand locally to utilize those resources. But once you do, those resources become spent. And then now you have a problem because now there's no more resources in the area. And you're not the only city out there that's utilizing the resources. So then it becomes a race because everyone's trying to expand their cities, build new cities, utilize those resources, and then the waste is choking out everyone else out there in their city. So you are in a race for resources, hopefully recovering the land, but generally you're all about capturing as much as possible and hopefully keeping in consideration what your people need. That's antiquity. All right. My my third game is Manhattan Project Energy Empire. Now, this game doesn't have a lot to do with Manhattan Project. It just happens to be in that universe and be printed by the same company. But it does a lot of interesting things with its theme, which in this case is trying to develop an energy infrastructure that's sustainable. So you represent a country and you are trying to build up your industry and your government by getting the resources and building the different structures you need and powering all of it but not doing so in such an irresponsible way that you get so much pollution that you can't do anything. And in this case, that means you don't score any points. So you're going to have these different dice that you'll generate through a variety of different means. You purchase them off the board and you'll use them to generate energy. But some of those dice, like the coal, for example, or the nuclear or the oil, will have possible negative impacts um, on you when you use them. And those can fill in different amounts of pollution onto your personal board that you can get rid of with different science effects, but you really have to be careful with it. You're going to be buying different cards 
that represent different abilities. You build a tableau with them. But the really interesting part of the game is how these different events come out. Some of them are positive. Some of them are negative. Some of them are affected by what you've done. Some of them are, it will impact what you do. And thematically, you're just, you're trying to mitigate all these awful things that happen because of industry, avert these different global crises and move towards a more sustainable, you know, energy source. And it just does such a good job of representing all that while still being a very fun game, which I think is a hard thing to balance. So um, that is why it's my third pick here. It's Energy Empire. All right. And finally, for me is my top game for Earth Day, and that's Rescue Polar Bears Data and Temperature. Now, this is a co-op game all about being climate scientists that are trying to collect data about global climate change from the North Pole while at the same time trying to save the polar bears from these different ice flows that are quickly melting. You probably will never see a game that's so incredibly cute and tragic at the same time. It's a fantastic co-op game that utilizes action points and a lot of pick up and deliver. So whether you're playing with the family or you're playing with hardcore gamers, this is a fantastic game to get to the table on Earth Day. All right, so that's everything for this week, but that's not the end of BGA. Please check out our Patreon account. There are brand new episodes. Check out our website. There is extra, extra reviews of games that are up there. Don't forget, we have a YouTube channel where you can listen to the podcast and watch some video reviews. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com.